my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you with advice and information that empowers you to make better financial decisions in your life. It's that time again, though, because it's Friday. I get the pleasure of learning from you in today's weekly Clark Stink segment. Well, where I'm not doing the job, missing part of the picture, whatever it is. And also today, some of you may seem way out in the future, is now a reality in more and more places. It's fully automated stores, no cashiers at all, no self-checkout. I want to tell you how self-checkout is purgatory. This may be a better way. But right now, it is time for... Clark Stinks. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. Okay. I'm so happy that I caught Clark stinking it up because I finally get to submit a Clark Stinks. In a recent episode, someone asked about contributing to their Costco employee stock purchase plan. Clark correctly identified the risk around owning too much company stock, but did not mention that many stock purchase plans offer their employees the ability to purchase the stock at a discount. This discount means that when the stock purchase happens, the employee will see an immediate gain in the shares, and depending on where the price locks in, the realized gain could be as much more than the upfront discount. For example, my company offers a 15% discount, but due to our plan details, I regularly see a 30 to 40% gain when the purchase happens. Depending on the purchase plan details, it could be a good idea to contribute to the plan and then diversify once the purchase happens to take advantage. Sunny. Sunny, thank you. And that is my fail because on these employee stock purchase opportunities, the standard industry thing is a 15% discount. Now, I've participated in a number of employee stock purchase plans over my lifetime. And the last four I did, two made ridiculous money. So I got the discount up front. They made a great deal of money. And I avoided tax by donating all the appreciation and all the shares to charity those first two times. The third time, I basically broke even. So I held the shares. The fourth time, I actually lost money. And that's the thing with employee stock purchase opportunities. You don't want to be too heavily concentrated in your employer stock. And company stocks don't necessarily go up. They also can just as well maybe go down. Even companies can go extinct. So that's why if you do a stock purchase plan, it can't be the game for you. You have to continue being well diversified, participating in the 401k, maybe having your own Roth IRA, And then if you can afford to do the stock purchase plan, and it can be kind of like a cherry on top for you, that's fine. Clark, you definitely don't stink, but I wonder if you have a double standard. You always mention that a used car buyer should get their prospective purchase inspected by an independent mechanic to see if the car is good before it's purchased. However, you were selling your car or vehicle, as you like to say, if you were selling your car to an individual, would you be happy handing over the keys for that person to take your car to a mechanic? What if the mechanic breaks something while he or she is looking it over? What if the person takes your car on a joyride and causes damage? Or what if they don't come back? I think that's a big risk to take as a seller of a car, Catherine. 
Catherine, okay, so I've never had to test what you're asking because when I've sold a car myself, I have never, ever had a buyer who asked me if they could have it checked out, which horrifies me because (laughs) almost nobody ever has a used car checked out. And my experience was they never have. You bring up very identifiable, meaningful risks that I hadn't really processed as an individual seller. I guess I'd have to assess the individual who was there as a buyer and make as best I could a decision, but I never faced that. Most used vehicles are not bought by an individual from an individual, so it might not be something that would come up. When I last sold an individual car, again, that was on eBay Motors, which I've used in the past. In that case, the buyer was actually a car dealer that bought the car from me, and they didn't have anybody inspect it. They didn't ask me any questions. They bought the vehicle sight unseen, or car. It was actually a car, not an (laughs) SUV or whatever. They bought the car sight unseen, paid me, and then one day a uh, car transfer service showed up and gave them the title and they drove off in it. That was funny because even a dealer didn't do anything about making sure that the car was in good shape. All right, Clark, have you forgotten to shower this week? A recent question asked the best option for renting a car in Italy. Specifically, they were going to Rome, Naples, and Pompeii. The advice was somewhat okay, but you didn't serve them as well as you could have. There's no need to rent a car at all. All of these three places mentioned are connected to the high-speed train line. You can get to them faster on the train, it's more comfortable, and you don't have to pay for gas or parking. Not to mention all the time it takes in all three places it takes to find parking. I know, I live in Italy. The only time you would need a car is if you're going to the far south, pronounced in Calabria or Puglia. Otherwise, the rest of the country has amazing train connections, which are far cheaper than driving. Thanks for all you do, Ken. Ken, thank you. And you're right. I blew that question. As someone who's been to Italy probably 20 times in my lifetime, I've done the trip both by train and with rental car. I actually kind of love driving a car in Italy because I feel like I don't go to amusement parks I don't like the crowds are standing in line, but driving in Italy kind of feels like being on the world's scariest roller coaster. And I like going to little villages, little out of the way places that are often harder to reach on the train network. But your advice, particularly driving in Naples, driving in Rome, I've done both. I was in a wreck in Naples with an ambulance that hit me. I was sitting still. Got hit by an ambulance. Anyway. You're making it sound awesome. Having been in Pompeii, having paid too much money to visit Pompeii for parking, just as you said, you're right. Wow. Did Clark take a job cleaning portable toilets or something in a segment expressing (laughs) (laughs) expressing concern about how AI could be used to fake his endorsement of junk products like variable annuities or extended warranties? Clark did most of the work himself by providing clean sound bites of him saying the things he would never say. (laughs) In all seriousness, I think you should go back and edit those hypothetical statements out of your podcast and recordings. Now all AI has to do is fake you saying the name of the fraudulent products because you've done the hard part for them. David. 
David, thank you for pointing out that uh, I handed crooks on a silver platter audio to use to imply a false endorsement. Never thought about that. Did you think about that when I was I doing it? No, I didn't. Okay, thank you for that. Clark stinks worse than a hockey bag left in the garage in the summer. Ugh. You said that buy now, pay later is a horrible credit product. Compared to what? How do credit cards get a free pass when their users who pay off their cards every month are called deadbeats by the issuing banks? Watch this quick clip and see that not all of these products are created equally, and they sent a link. Shame on you, Clark. Do your homework before labeling all of anything as bad. I love the podcast. I've been a fan for a long time and will continue in spite of your human frailties, John. John, thank you. All right, so uh, I am guilty of always speaking in broad strokes and making very strong statements. So paying for or buy now, pay later as an industry is something I don't like it all because it has been a trap for people who make impulse purchases that they may not be able to afford. And I went through the stats recently about how many people have messed up their credit, how many people are dealing with collection agencies, how many people are paying interest on something they thought was going to be interest free. The whole lure when you go to buy an airline ticket, you go to an online site, you go to a retail store. There's something you might be on the bubble about buying, and then there it is. You don't worry about it. You don't have to have any money right now. We'll sell it to you paying for it. No credit check. And people click, and then they end up in over their heads. As to what would make a paying for provider good, I will watch the video you've sent to me, and if, in fact, I agree with the, the source, I will incorporate that when I talk next time about paying for. You brought up the fact that insurance premiums have skyrocketed lately and you immediately defended the companies by trying to explain and justify why they need to raise their premiums. I understand as to why this could happen, but what about the money they spend on advertising? They're everywhere competing with each other for new customers. Practically every other commercial on TV has to do with insurance. Shouldn't there be some control as to how much they can spend for advertising? I know we're capitalists as a whole, but this is really getting out of hand. I've never had to file a claim, knock on wood, but every year my premiums go up. I feel that all I'm doing is funding their advertising budget. You should at least remember that although inflation is a factor, you should also take into account how much money is spent on marketing. I know you don't watch much TV, but you should notice while you're watching your football games, right? Go Jets, Jets, Jets. Well, they spelled it J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Omar. Omar, first of all, I'm really impressed how the Jets players have risen to the occasion after Aaron Rodgers went down injured and they played their hearts out and they've done so much better than the prognosticator said they would. And it's just wonderful to see that. My late cousin who passed away recently was a huge Jets fan, season ticket holder forever, years of trials, tribulations, disappointment. So go Jets. I'll say that for him and for you. I bought a Jets hat in honor of the memory of my cousin. Oh, that's awesome. But I got it at Warehouse Club, so it was cheap. (laughs) I'm sure he would have expected, yeah. Okay, so yes, I only see commercials during football season because that's the only time I watch television. And the commercials from Jake from State Farm, Mm -hmm. Flo from Prudential, the weird stuff with the mustache from... 
who's the yellow company? Liberty Mutual. Geico doing its things. I can't remember who else. Allstate does the things with the mayhem. See, I watch a lot of football, don't I, that I know all these. They spend so much money. I mean, the insurance ads have built up the revenue replacing what car manufacturers used to do and beer producers used to do. I mean, it is the, I would assume it's it and the cell phone companies are the two top categories now advertising on football. Yeah, if they just put their efforts on doing a better job, they wouldn't spend all this money. But why do they advertise? Because advertising works. When somebody gets unhappy with their insurer and they shop, who do they think of? They think of these companies that advertise as they try to move market share one to another. If they were to not spend the money on advertising, they almost certainly would have smaller market share. So to them, it's just a cost of doing business. On the issue of insurers being upside down, this is something that came out of nowhere with the big increases in the cost of vehicles, repairing cars, all of that, and the increasing number of storms and claims involving them. So I'm not crying a river for the insurers. It's just there's a real reason why the premiums have moved up lately. You give great advice normally. I took your advice about low-cost providers on retirement accounts only to find out from my accountant that if your employer offers one and you elect not to use it, you lose a ton of the tax advantages. Please make sure to share all the details in the future because it costs me and my family this tax year. Otherwise, love what you do, Edward. All right, I'm having trouble understanding, Edward, what happened. I'm guessing that they didn't participate in their company's 401k, and so the... oh. Okay, so Edward, what I've said, and maybe I haven't explained it well, you want to follow this priority. If your employer has a crummy 401k plan, let's say, participate in it up to the employer match. Then your next priority is to do the Roth IRA. Do it to the max. If you still want to save more money, then you go back and contribute more in the employer 401k, or if the fees are outrageous in the plan, do an additional investment account with your money. I don't want you to not participate in the employer 401k, especially if there's a match. I want you participating, but I want your priorities to be different if your employer has a crummy 401k. And Edward, I'm really sorry If my advice that you heard was incomplete, misleading, and led you down a path that costs you additional dollars in tax when you did your return for last year, I never want to give advice that ends up backfiring on someone. And I'm sorry that it did to you in this case. Coming straight ahead, people either already hated self-checkout or they're learning to hate self-checkout. Is the answer going to be more cashiers? Uh Uh-uh. I'm going to tell you where technology is leapfrogging to solve this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. 
Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Self-checkout is kind of like a plague happening to all of us. When you shop at a discount store, warehouse club, you go to supermarkets, they've all heavily reduce the number of cashiers available to really channel you into self-checkout. And I use self-checkout all the time. Well, something happened to me at Costco that was really a bit disturbing. So I'm at self-checkout at Costco and I'm ringing up and I have some bigger items. So a very helpful Costco employee working the self-checkout registers comes over and does the thingy where they can take over with one of those pricing guns and finishes out my cart because of the heavy items in there, then says, okay, you're done. Well, I get to the door and it turned out the employee who'd come over missed two items. So I'm sent back to pay for those items. And you go to that kiosk where you get things that are in the cage, you know, the things they lock up that are shoplift items. And that's the same place where they would charge me more money for the items that we missed. And I got written up. They had a, a form that they wrote me up as a potential shoplifter. And they wrote down my member number and the items that I had uh, allegedly apparently tried to steal. It was interesting because the woman who had come over, the helpful employee had come over and said, hey, that was my fault. I was scanning that card. And the woman didn't even acknowledge and wrote me up on the report. So I don't know what happens in the Costco in the sky. Nothing's happened so far. But when you use self-checkout, know that there are eyes on you all the time. And you are automatically suspect if just say there was a missed scan or whatever. And Walmart has been written up a lot in the news media for doing deferred prosecutions where you have to pay Walmart this big fine and then they don't prosecute you for failing to ring up an item at self-checkout. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And so here they are, they're making us unpaid employees to ring stuff up. And I, like everybody else, pretty much goes to self-checkout because the cashier lines are either non-existent or they're really long. I was in uh, Walmart of the Future Experimental Design. There's not a single cashier available in the whole store. Everything is self-checkout in the store. It's really cool-looking design, but still, there's no more cashiers. And people are, are really unhappy about the whole self-checkout thing. So I want to tell you that we're about to move into a better era. Part of the credit goes to Amazon because Amazon spent a ton of money designing a system that now others have also come up with 
where when you go into a store, you tap in, in the case of an Amazon store that has this, and you pick up the items you want. And if you look around you, there are cameras everywhere. And I did a video we ran on YouTube of me doing this in an airport in Kansas City where there were long lines at all the food things. I had a short connect. I didn't have time to get food and I was hungry. So I went to this Amazon grab and go store, went in, picked up the items, go to the front. It knew what I had. I looked, it showed on a screen, everything was right. I tapped to pay and I went straight to my flight. The technology has now gotten cheap enough and different vendors are selling it even to independents. I read a story on Axios about a little market that's a privately owned market, not even part of a chain, that now has the whole automated thing. And so you don't have to worry about a cashier. You don't have to worry about accuracy because the screen shows you. And if something's on there that you didn't actually, let's say you picked up on the shelf, you said not to get it, put it back. If it shows up there, then there's a human who can actually fix that and you don't pay for what you didn't buy. This is where we're headed. And I actually support this, that we move out of the purgatory of self-checkout or the long, long lines waiting to check out somewhere and being able to do these automated systems since the technology now exists. And as I've shared with you before at Sam's Club, I always use scan and go where you scan your own items on your phone as you go through the store. You see the price is right or not on it. Uh, You see how much you've spent. You decide you can put things back. It's wonderful. Sam's Club did a great job with it. They have not been doing it except for limited people in Walmart that they also own or Walmart owns Sam's because of the shoplifting problem. Mm -hmm. But these technologies are going to get us over that hump and away from stinky self-checkout. All right. Let's go to some questions. Michelle in North Carolina says, I own a 2016 Tesla Model 90 DS with 47,000 miles. Tesla gave me an offer to transfer my unlimited supercharging, which I used almost exclusively to charge my vehicle, to a new vehicle purchase. I'm looking for your opinion on the vehicle battery life of my car and the current resale opportunity. We've been considering a new Tesla anyway because I am unsure of the battery life of a Tesla. Also, it seems like the computer system is not as efficient as it once was with slow startup times for the car. Yeah, the 2017 and earlier computer systems are not efficient, and you'll find that they do slow down over time, and that's been a big beef is the uh, latency of the, the brains of the Tesla, and you'll have more crashes of them and restarts and things like that. I know as someone who my wife had a 90D at one time, and so that is a known problem with it. Uh, 47,000 miles is not a lot. Your battery degradation is probably tiny, but you're getting closer to where you're going to have to worry about being your own insurance company on the battery pack. I would say that you face two things here. The cost of a new, if you want to do another S, has come way down. And so you can buy a new Model S for like a third less than it was a year ago. And the new one is really great. I'd go test drive it and make sure you really like it. But I would also say there are a number of other 
electric models that have come in the marketplace since you bought your 2016, I guess you bought it new seven years ago, and see what else is out there as well. But the unlimited supercharging. The unlimited supercharging, it depends on how much you use supercharging. I mean, in seven years. She said almost exclusively. But 47,000 miles, we're not talking about, it hadn't brought you an extremely large savings, Mm -hmm. but it's really nice to never pay for the energy to run your Tesla. So there's a lot of factors to consider, a lot of moving parts. That new Tesla is going to cost you somewhere close to 80000 You might have a tax credit that you get back from it. And so that's a lot of money to put into a car just for the value of the free supercharging. So I think you go drive it, look at other models from other brands, and then make that call. I have tried a number of other models, and what do I still drive? Tesla. Model Y. Debbie in Oregon says, I have loved your show for years. I'm currently being bombarded with text, email, and phone calls from a scammer claiming I applied for a credit with Bank of America. I've never used Bank of America. I'm with a local credit union. I've ignored, deleted, or blocked every attempt to contact me. One of the messages said they noticed my credit is frozen and they request I unfreeze it so they can process my application. Not on your life. I froze my credit about seven years ago. Am I safe as is, or is there something more I can do to stop their attempts? Also, I wanted to tell you, I grew up with a very frugal father, and he lives on in the lessons I learned. My family owns four cars ranging from a 2001 to 2013. We paid cash for all, even the two we bought brand new in 06 and 07. My college-age son says we should own a car from this century, but I cannot justify replacing a reliable car just for fun. We bought the 06 Sienna when he was a baby, and it's still going strong. (laughs) I love that. I I mean, I really love that. And I love that the messages have lived on. Now let's go to the problem you're having with the fake Bank of America person, which ironically enough, I talked about the bank pretexters just a couple Mm -hmm. of days ago, right? On the podcast. Uh, Because this is a plague They know information about you. You obviously were in one of the data breaches that they know your credit's frozen. This is going to be a high-risk thing I'm going to recommend to you. But I need you monitoring your credit. And if you don't have a Credit Karma account, you would have to temporarily thaw your credit to check it. But then that would leave you vulnerable to this person who's trying to get into your credit. Because with the lesson procedures of security at Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian, that we also addressed recently on the podcast, that go around credit freeze, a criminal who has enough information about you from a data breach may be able to crack the code at the credit bureaus because they don't use the pens anymore to thaw your credit and then apply for stuff as if they're you. So in your case, credit monitoring, which normally I say is pretty much a joke, becomes very valuable. And with Credit Karma, it's free. Some of your credit cards you have may offer free credit monitoring and you're already a customer of theirs. You wouldn't need to thaw your credit, but I want you monitoring it and be on the lookout and strong alert that since a criminal already knows you have a credit freeze and has tried to break into your credit, that you are a target for somebody engaging in identity theft and applying for credit as if they're you. 
Andrew in Alaska says about a month ago, I submitted a dispute on my credit card for a fraudulent charge for a hotel in California. The amount was nearly $500 and there were two other charges of $6 and $8 that I also disputed. They issued me a new card and I received a conditional credit for the smaller charges, but for the bigger charge, there's been no movement whatsoever. I've contacted customer no service three times and was told to be patient. As I've never submitted a fraud dispute on a credit card, how patient should I be? Is the issuer required to act on this and resolve it within a certain time frame? So what the issuer is required to do is give you a provisional credit for that hotel charge. And hopefully they have done that. Now, this is a bank that uh, is one of the four giant monsters. We've had a number of customer no service complaints recently about Citibank. And this is the Citibank Costco Visa involved. And so what I would do with Citi is I would file a complaint if in the next couple of weeks they don't get their act together, file a complaint with the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau about the problems you're having with Citi. And you do that at consumerfinance.gov. But there's something I want you to not wait on that I want you to do. I want you to contact that hotel in California directly and talk to the, uh, it'll usually be the front desk manager. So you want to talk to, tell them this is going on. There was a fraudulent charge at the hotel and you need documentation for city and ask them for whatever help they can provide you. And hopefully they'll be able to give you some information, how the hotel was booked, other things like that, that are additional pieces of information that helps support your situation. You also have the fact that you live in Alaska, and if you weren't in California at the time, gosh, that's an awfully great defense against what's going on here. But Citibank tends to wave right through small disputed charges and is somewhat difficult to deal with, or in your case, very difficult to deal with, on those larger ones. And that's why you may need to bring them to account. But I want you to be active, not passive. And this should be resolved to your satisfaction. And now it's time for our Friday edition, Clarky. Clarky of the day. Clark, this is Rob from Illinois. I am a true Clarky. I've been listening to you for over 20 years. I have followed your advice. I have maxed out my Roth IRA since I'm 21 years old, I'm going on 50. I am an educator. I do not do the 403Bs based on your advice. I have saved for my child's, my both my son's 529. I am lucky to have a son that goes to Princeton University and their education is fully paid for. I have another son who's got a lot of money in his rough, his 529 account. And I have passed on my clock experience to my son's as they, after they got their first job, asked me to open up a Roth IRA for them. I have matched their contributions. My oldest son, who's 20, has maxed out his Roth IRA for the last four years. Wow. And my youngest son, who's 16 and just started working, and I match every contribution he makes to his Roth IRA. So not only have you helped me make amazing financial decisions in my life, I'm passing yours to my sons as well. Isn't that I wonderful? I appreciate everything that you two do, and thank you so much. Well, 
Thank you very much. That is wonderful to hear. Thanks, Rob. And Rob, the closest I ever have gotten to Princeton is going by Princeton (laughs) on Amtrak. I certainly (laughs) did not have the intellectual candle power to go to an Ivy, and that's fantastic. Continued success to you and your two sons. And with that, it is my pleasure also to thank all of you who posted on Clark Stinks. I love for you to do so. We all learn together. I love your different perspectives. And if you want to do that, go to Clark.com slash Clark Stinks. Have a wonderful weekend. Remember what we're about, that you learn ways to save more, spend less, and avoid getting ripped off. <laughs>